Welcome to Run This World. My name is Nicole DeBoom. I'm a former pro athlete turned entrepreneur. Each week, I'll bring you insights and inspiration from some of the world's greatest visionaries who will help you run your world in ways that you didn't even realize were possible. All in the framework of the amount of time it takes for the average person to run a 5K. That's 36 minutes and 38 seconds, give or take a mile. We often go long, so get ready. Thank you for spending some time with me today. Now let's get this workout started. Hey everyone, I hope you're having a great day. Today we have the incredible pleasure of hearing from a young talent, someone who I have a hard time believing is 20 years younger than me, (laughs) Uh, Claire Gallagher. She is a renowned ultra runner with several major wins, including um, a win at the 2016 Leadville 100 mile race with the second fastest female time ever. She's the first American to win the CCC ultra marathon in the Alps in 2017 and many more. Go over to her website and check it out. Um, But the truly amazing thing is that she has done all of this in the few short years since she graduated from Princeton in 2014. Yes, she is one of the fastest rising athletes I've ever seen. I mean, think about it. It took me 10 years to win an Ironman. I was 32 years old. The really amazing thing about Claire is more than her fast rise to ultra running stardom, it's it's her depth. I mean, she's so much more than an athlete, which you're going to hear about today. She, I guess the best way I can say it is she seems to have a passion for doing the right thing, especially the right thing by our planet. And she's crafted a career to include sponsors and events and a lifestyle that allows her to focus on this platform. Um, It's funny, I interviewed Claire just an hour after my daughter Wilder's kindergarten graduation, and I was, of course, totally emotional as the little six-year-old sang songs about their wide-open futures. Tim and I were both tearing up, (laughs) and, um, you know, I was really thinking about what kind of girl and woman I hope Wilder would be, will be, (laughs) that is, and then Claire walked up literally walked up. Um, Side note, we didn't realize that she lives about eight houses away from me. (laughs) And I just looked at her and thought, God, her parents must be so proud. She's so strong and clear-minded. And I hope that I can help craft a future for Wilder that allows her to find strength and clarity of mind too. So it's a really cool timing for this one. Um, but before you hear from Claire, I want to make sure that I share with you a discount from the greatest company in the world. Skirt Sports is offering you 15% off to celebrate the fact that my daughter is graduating kindergarten. We always need a reason, right? Plus, I want everyone to feel the excitement, strength, and confidence that awesome gear brings. So just use the code RTWPODCAST15 for 15% off on skirtsports.com. Or I guess you can also come on over to the Mothership, which is our flagship store located right in the middle of Boulder at 28th and Pearl Streets. And tell them I sent you if you forget the code. 
Um, and one last thing, if you're local, I cannot believe I forgot to tell you this. It's ridiculous. You're going to have like three days to get your head around it. But our fifth annual Skirt Sports 13er 5K and 10K is this Sunday in Louisville, Colorado. It's June 3rd. It is amazing, beautiful, difficult. Um, And you get Kim and Jake's gluten-free gourmet cake at the finish. I did invite Claire Gallagher, but she will be in New York running to save the rainforest. Yes, she is that amazing. All right, everybody. Now it's time for you to hear from her too. Okay, so Claire, thank you for coming over. It was such a long walk to get here. I cannot believe you live right behind Probably me. Probably three minutes. <laughs> okay, so we kind of can see your house over there? Kind of, yeah, pretty much. <laughs> South Boulder representing once again. <laughs> I love it. Did you run yet today? Yep, and I saw Dave Mackey on his bike. <laughs> uh, he's a podcast episode, I don't know, maybe 80. Oh, oh my oh, God. Yeah. Yeah. We, he's, oh, yeah. Whoa. We are so, here's the thing. We live in a place where I sometimes I imagine, I have this like little funny visual of like, if you stuck a flag on every world champion Olympic medal or like person who's done something amazing in sport, you would see flags walking all over the place. Oh my gosh, I We're just surrounded by them. And I use that same philosophy when I think about rattlesnakes. (laughs) I'm like, I wonder how many flags would be waving in the the field here. It's so true. Yeah, they're out right now. I know. So, um, and what's really cool, you're one of those people. There'd be a flag sticking up off of you. And you're only how old now? 26. Uh-huh. Amazing. So there's so many things I want to talk about today with you, but I think it's kind of cool to lead with this um, little story. I just came from my kids' kindergarten graduation. Okay. These are things that are milestones, right? Milestones make us think and reflect, and then we cry a little, and then we come home, and I'm all like, I'm about to go do an interview. Oh, my God. <laughs> about my daughter my baby just graduated (laughs) kindergarten graduation it's like a thing really but um but it is a thing because it makes us think about where we are and where we want to go and I thought about the fact that you were coming on today and the things you've done and the kind of person that I think you are this is where it's going to get interesting (laughs) versus maybe who you think you are Mm -hmm. um and I thought I'm going to pick Claire's brain because I want my daughter to grow up and have a mind and a spirit like you do. Well, thanks. That's very generous. It's really, like, really true. Um, It's funny because right off the bat, I think I'm going to ask you kind of a big one. Mm -hmm. How do you define yourself? Who are you? Um last well last night I was I was actually meeting our new neighbor uh next door and I and I said I'm a freelance runner <laughs> I love that yeah. and I kind of I had never used it before and I think it can encompass a lot um but I guess right now I would I would define myself as still very much like searching um in a way mm. I'm a runner I'm a writer I'm an activist um, but it's, it's not the easiest job description. <laughs> no, it's not. And it's interesting because the words that come to mind for me are, when I think of you, are adventure and passion and spirit. And like, I don't know why I think of this, but clarity of mind. Am I wrong or am mm. I right? That's 
really nice of you as well. Well, there's something yeah. too like your the public image you put out or the posts you make, and it's the world we live in, right? We yeah. know you through these channels. Totally. Um, I I do feel like I'm pretty genuine in like social media, uh, and so yeah, I am very high energy most of the time <laughs> you are. or at least um passionate which actually doesn't necessarily equate to high energy uh <laughs> well it yeah. can't yeah passionate. i mean yeah you, you can be a mellow passionate person right or you can be a like go out there rip up the mountains passionate person <laughs> right yeah and i guess my adventurous side is definitely high energy and then the things i get uh, upset about or am passionate about maybe changing is where I like to use a little more, uh, hopefully, like well-researched intellect, <laughs> and that's yeah. where I'm, I just try and hold myself accountable to, like, the things I say publicly. Um, and like, is there fodder behind like the stuff I'm talking about with in terms of the environment and what I think runners should do? <laughs> well, I think that's like you're kind of putting a bit of a weight on your shoulders. It's kind. Of, it's a really interesting place to have found yourself in life, maybe. But were you born this way? Were you born with this kind of spirit? Like how I'm. I'm trying to car- remember. I'm trying to create a daughter that's yeah. just like you. You know, <laughs> sees the world in this like both beautiful way, but somehow is able to look at the things that are difficult about the world and find something beautiful or a way to maybe see moving forward through them, right? Totally. So yeah. like, how did you get here? Did your family do this to you? Or did you just come out this way? Like, I'm, I'm gonna make a change, you know? <laughs> yeah. Well, Wilder already has, she's off to the right start, it seems like. Uh, but I grew up in a very similar place to where we are today in suburban Denver and Englewood and with two older brothers who were greatly influential because being the youngest, I was always more independent. Like, not that my parents like stopped looking at me, (laughs) but I was able to sort of mind my own business in our like backyard. My dad had chickens. He raised chickens and goats and quail in a big backyard. So it was always like very attuned to it's like legal. You can just stick those wild and, fowl yeah, in like the back. Cherry and- Hills, Colorado, uh, <laughs> I guess. Yeah. He's the zoning is there or something. Okay. Um, cool. We won't we won't push on that one. That's okay. Yeah. But so my childhood, I remember it basically always outside, like in my backyard. Yeah. <laughs> and not in a big backyard, you know, but I was always playing like make-believe uh, Little House on the Prairie, constantly reading, and then like playing pilgrims or Indians or something in my backyard with or without my brothers or neighborhood friends. And... Uh, so you had a big imagination back then too. Yeah, yeah, definitely. And I, I like cherish those memories. I was really grateful, or you know, I grew up extremely privileged to like have a comfortable mm-hmm. youth, and like my parents were constantly like reading their own books, and so that's like they set this example of just like. If you want to know anything, you can. You just like need to take it upon yourself. They're never shoving stuff down like mine and my brother's throats. That's <laughs> amazing. We would just like look at them, like, oh, mom's reading yet another book this week. Maybe I should go to the library. <laughs> well, it just shows how you can be a role model without forcing it, right? Exactly. Yeah. And, and so your brothers mm-hmm. were. Um, 
they're older than you. Yeah. Are they still influential? Like, how are they influential? You mentioned that. Yeah, so much. Uh, my oldest brother just graduated from Michigan Law, and he's going to be a public defender in Colorado. Wow, cool. So he's completely engrossed in the criminal justice reform movement or, you know, trying to help uh, disadvantaged minorities who are completely screwed by our justice system in the U.S. Um, and uh, I mean, that's a big, heavy, you know, goal on its own here. Yeah. It seems like your whole family, it's just like a group of people with just, I don't know, perspective and strength and morals. And you're like, we're going after it. We're going to do the right thing. Right? It, it's weird. Yeah. Because my other brother is a Green Beret. Oh my gosh. <laughs> well, I think I read that he uh, graduated West Point yeah. and he's still in the armed He's, yeah. Okay. Uh-huh. Yeah. So he just finished in in Green Beret terms. It's called the Q course. Okay. Last year. Yep. And just went to Afghanistan for the second time and wow. was stationed in Fort Carson, Colorado Springs. Oh my gosh. Uh, so it's funny though because our our like family get-togethers were always just like joking around, talking about who has a slower like mile time right now. <laughs> Uh, yeah or talking about my dad's bees or my mom's a third grade teacher so like okay mom like who are the trouble kids oh my gosh so it's kind of like a normal family gathering with a little extra competition maybe yeah exactly and just like if anything now we're more supportive than ever and inspired by each other um so but here's the thing like you did you grow up an athlete yes yeah i grew up actually doing ballet sort of that was like my main love as a little girl and but then I always played soccer and lacrosse and and then I swam in the summer so was ballet like when you were really little was it the girly side of ballet or was it the athletic (laughs) what was calling to you because it's very different than what you do now oh I love the performance element Uh. to it and but uh, we would always have recitals and so I was like Peter and Peter and the Wolf. <laughs> and uh, Hansel and Gretel, I was Hansel. <laughs> really? Yeah. I love that. <laughs> yeah. Um, so I wouldn't say it wasn't it wasn't necessarily the girly side that <laughs> drew me to ballet. But, um, oh, I love it. Yeah, I, I loved it immensely. And, and just like the art form of, of athleticism mixed with creativity. Um, I'm, I don't practice at all and I'm like the most incompetent dancer (laughs) now, but it definitely was good for like my little body because I was kind of weirdly grew. I was kind of not weirdly shaped. I was just like small growing up because I, (laughs) I wasn't diagnosed as celiac until I was like 15. Mm -hmm. So I was always just kind of small and like. And you couldn't figure out why you just, but you. Oh yeah, just like the worst gas a five year old could oh, ever no. have. You, <laughs> but that's funny at that age. Oh yeah, I mean yeah. farts are funny. Yeah, totally. They're still funny, but not when they're really. These stinky. weren't that funny. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But these are. Th- this is like, hey, this is a fact of life when you're an athlete too. Oh, I yeah, mean, totally, right. So who would know if you're celiac or you're just an athlete eating a lot of stuff, taking in a lot of air, you right? Know, whatever it is. Yeah, um, eating a lot of plants. So, <laughs> So you got diagnosed yeah. at 15? Yeah. Wow. Okay. And at that point, I was running cross country and track in high school yep. and also playing lacrosse and swimming um, and all like in high school. And 
I was like just had crazy symptoms of like bloating and whatnot and I couldn't really run and that's what made me get the test and it's really common to get diagnosed uh sort of during years of puberty so a lot of people oh. go like their you know their yeah. youth without knowing they're a celiac and then have worsened symptoms so i mean but part of as an athlete it's kind of like okay now am i doomed will i never be a great athlete because i have this yeah. thing yeah so how did you get yeah. through that yeah i uh well i like kept on eating rice which is all i ever liked to, to begin with oh well then that's, <laughs> yeah. that's not bad and then uh you could i could tell my body was getting healthier and more nourished and yeah, I mean, I just stopped having like horrible symptoms. And now and, you know, like if there's, yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I've been, I can tell you every exact instance I've been glutened in the last five years. Really? Like, it's just yeah, immediate. It's fewer than 10. And, oh, my gosh. Yeah, which is good. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> so, but I'm not like, I don't, you know, if people, I, I often get asked, hey, you know, aren't you upset? Like the people who don't, who aren't a celiac who eat gluten free. And I love those people because it makes gluten-free food cheaper for us and like more readily, readily yeah, available. Yeah, totally. And I'm just under the impression everyone's allowed to eat what they want and don't want. Totally. You know? So it's funny how people feel passionate about yeah. about like gluten. It's like this is not <laughs> something no. to get your panties in a bunch about. Like, well, I mean, any eating philosophy. I mean, people feel totally. very passionately about, it. and it's um, it's really emotional, and it can like. <laughs> It's almost like po politics. <laughs> totally. It can create a, a rift. Like, oh my gosh, is she going to look at me differently now because she knows I'm whatever? Right, right. Because you said you're vegan. Yeah, like I'm totally. A vegetarian. I'm actually curious. What's the? This is so basic. I should know this, but what's the reasoning behind not eating cheese? It's uh, I, the reason I started on it yeah. is actually because of a guy I've had on the podcast. His name's Rip Esselstyn, and he's uh -huh. the Engine Two guy. If you see oh, his products yeah. at Whole Foods, um, and it for me it was about eating for your greatest heart health. So oh, dairy is uh, contains you know cholesterol and other things that are going to create. It's just going to make your your blood thicker, mm -hmm. more full of fat, and more uh, apt to like stick to the vessels and eventually cause a, a coronary event. It gotcha. could, yeah, right. So some people are prone to that. I'm really not, but once I tried eating that way, I felt better. Nice. And then I got the blood work, and I was like, "Wow, my blood really looks great. Like I'm kind of heart attack proof <laughs> hey. when I eat this way." Yeah, you know. So I think my whole thing is for people: if you're not feeling great, eating philosophy shop. Mm -hmm. like shop around the different philosophies there's a million of them yeah yeah and uh see what works for you right totally. yeah so um happy to fill you in more on that later yeah too. i need to i've been meaning to look into it yeah but, yeah. <laughs> yeah and i mean there's also like environmental things some people right. will say like raising cows is you know hurting the environment and stuff yeah. so that might be really interesting for you to look into more right as well. right the cheese yeah. element of yeah, that totally yeah um so anyway but yeah so you got okay we're going back to you so in running um you got recruited to college then so you you were able to like just fold this diagnosis into your life and then what did you start performing even better after that uh yeah more i didn't i never really had poor performances due to uh my gluten symptoms i could always like muster stuff yeah. out so because i was diagnosed as a sophomore i think okay and then i had it I, I did have a breakout junior year, so maybe I have never really thought of that. Hey, to be honest, but, ding. Yeah. 
but then I had a pretty lame senior year so but I had already like committed at that point uh did you were you like okay so a lot of people listening it's it's a highly female-centric crowd who listens to this podcast Mm -hmm. um I know and there aren't a lot of podcasts out there that pretty much feature women right primarily um even more kudos to the dudes listening I know and the dudes listening are awesome because they're constantly like they feel great because they're tapping into their female side and learning more about the women in their lives yeah um were you like a late developer earlier developer um more of the like classic runner never developer oh (laughs) i love that and the reason i ask is you said you had like a breakout junior year and then kind of a lame senior year i experienced a similar thing when i was younger because i just didn't i never really developed much either Mm -hmm. but you still made some changes totally so i never really got much faster after sophomore junior year gotcha yeah yeah because i was a senior year developer apparently gotcha yeah my coaches called that the sophomore slump <laughs> like wow this is so inappropriate to like, talk to high school girls like this. Yes. <laughs> oh my gosh don't say that coaches yeah um no I just was injured uh, okay my senior year I think I started almost developing I started developing bad habits around eating my senior okay. year in high school and then that carried over into college Um, what kind of bad habits just like not eating enough mainly oh like never like full-blown um like bad eating disorders but you know like just so many runners are trying to gain the competitive edge and right yeah and so that's what i attribute a lot of my little injuries little to big injuries from like my senior year in high school basically till my senior year in college um was just like really poor nutrition (laughs) wow okay and those are important formative years yeah so now you're more like educated and you have more perspective are you on top of it oh so much so yeah and did you ever get like uh stress fractures or injuries that you think were due to yeah yeah Yeah, stress fracture my feet um like pelvic issues oh wow okay Yeah. yeah so you know it's it's crazy because after college I, I moved to Thailand and I just like fell in love with the cuisine there and I gained probably ten pounds within that coconut sticky rice. Oh my god, it's yeah. insane! Oh my god, yeah. Oh my <laughs> Talk god, about good for the soul but not great for the heart. Oh, uh, <laughs> you know, actually, let's let's talk about this for a minute before we move on because I want to talk about Thailand and like the you know the things that were pulling at your heart at that time in your life too, but. Um, I wrote my senior thesis in college on female athletes and the uh, conflict that's inherent between being a female and being an athlete, Hmm. right? And this was 20 years ago before you. So was it more than 20 years ago? Yeah, it was 1994. (laughs) But um, the point is the women who were in sports where you had to wear skimpier uniforms like track and field or gymnastics or diving or things where you were judged had much higher... Um, prevalence of eating disorders and in like you said gaining the competitive edge it it kind of it had two sides it was performance but also the thing how you looked kind of played into it for some people not everyone but Mm -hmm. I thought it was really interesting and and I think it's important that you talk about it a little bit too because there's people out there who are even in their 40s who are still facing this right totally yeah you talk to a lot of women and they cite their weight as a part of who they are that they don't like and that's so hard it's so crazy I know I mean it's not crazy because like I like have lived that and yep but 
the craziest I feel really fortunate that I was 22 when I had this 10 month revelation where I unknowingly gained 10 pounds like and so that was in Thailand yeah okay. yep. and I it's also where I did my first ultra so I was still running a ton and I was able to gain this weight and my injuries just like kind of stopped happening <laughs> and I was running more oh. than or at least more if not or the same as ever before and wow yeah okay. so did you then attribute that to putting on a little bit of weight 100 percent. okay have and you I never, gone backwards ever or you stayed no I've always stayed like about at least my weight in Thailand really cool yeah yeah so you were underweight and mm -hmm. it was hurting your performance exactly and yeah. you maybe would have never known had you not gone to thailand i know right where it's where i was like in a village i don't even know if i had a mirror accessible <laughs> um, that helps yeah you know like definitely not a scale and yeah and i just was like eating for passion and like part of way to connect with the people around me and and yeah. my fellow american friends and it was the happiest i had been in a long time oh i just love that and when you we've got a little note card here oh. sometimes the guests yeah. like to write notes it's your happy list oh you yeah. think about those times in your life when you've been happiest those are important yeah. to come back to totally. when you're struggling. Yeah. Um, going back to college, uh, so you went to Princeton. You're a little smarty, smart fart. And um, that's running really helped. cool, right? Yeah, running helps. I mm -hmm. mean, you got to be well-rounded to go anywhere these days. Mm -hmm. But um, so you've been, uh, maybe this is an unfair label, but a bit of an overachiever. You know, you have high expectations of yourself. And when you were in college, were you an athlete or a student? Or were you one of those elusive people who was both? <laughs> uh, I I wouldn't. Yeah, I definitely would not label myself as a student because it was really hard to feel like an accomplished student at Princeton. Basically impossible. Well, yeah, because and of comparing yourself to everyone yeah. else. And that being said, I really fell in love with a lot of the stuff I was doing in college um, and learning. But I also never really felt worthy of like the full athlete label because I wasn't running extremely well at all. You know, I was like never made a national track meet um, when I was running with all American teammates. Right. And was injured a lot and and then, you know, would like hurt myself when I was partying. That happened more than once. So oh, okay, yeah. wait, hold on. <laughs> hold on. I've got some of these like interesting roots as well. So uh so I did do a recruiting trip to Princeton uh -huh. and it was one of the biggest party weekends I'd ever had. Oh my god, I believe it. <laughs> my parents are probably listening, like, that's what you did on all those recruiting trips. Yeah. Um swimming especially but you know you can find a party no matter where you go to college yeah and it's the exactly. first time you're you have true freedom yeah right mm -hmm. so you kind of were a party girl there yeah and i wouldn't say it was anything like crazy compared to high school i wasn't like shut off from partying in high school either but i sort of i got to princeton i was like oh i was surprised at how at how like overachieving all of my peers were in a way and and i sort of didn't like to be associated with the like ultimate ultimate athlete ultimate student you know like never has like rough edges or like takes downtime and 
so I took it apart and people were like my friends labeled me as like a hippie because I was from Colorado and it's like okay just because I recycle doesn't mean (laughs) I'm a hippie you know and I just I got into this very conservative uh place that is Princeton and I I rebelled a little bit Yeah. yeah to like feel sane and a little bit more like myself and my Colorado roots. So cuz you just need like you need the outlet. Yeah. cuz you're intense. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. yeah. And especially it was my injuries would compound like the partying and then would compound like my desire to to work harder in school, which I did at certain points. <laughs> For sure. Right. Like I took things like pretty seriously. Some some like my personal research so like the stuff I did on coral reefs I took very seriously so let's talk about that because it's unique I don't know very many people who got into the field that I think is pulls at your heart Mm -hmm. you know maybe it's a future career for you or you can somehow figure out how to fold all of these passions together you sort of are already Mm -hmm. but um I don't even remember having classes like that in college how did you get into it yeah it's I didn't actually take a marine biology class either. Like Princeton's not known for its marine biology at all. Uh (laughs) And which was sweet because they have very lackluster scuba diving (laughs) regulations. (laughs) Hopefully no one from the university is listening. Uh, (laughs) But uh, yeah, I, I actually applied to an internship on a whim that was in Bermuda. And so um, there's this science institute in Bermuda that takes a lot of like ecology majors. Um, and I applied to the, like the one like mega coral like underwater in situ research one, like the one everyone dreams about, and and got that and was able to just sort of snowball from there. And it's like once you have the certifications to do underwater research, there's I don't see any reason why not to stay in that. And I didn't feel some crazy draw to terrestrial research, even though I always have been drawn to the mountains and, and rainforests. I was like, there's no reason to not continue with yeah. this coral world, at least for the time being. <laughs> so that was on an internship. And then when you were, went over to Thailand, did you continue doing some of that? I was in Thailand on a teaching fellowship. So technically not, but I dove recreationally for the first time because all my diving prior had been like proper research dives and so diving recreationally was really bizarre but also kind of depressing one why, why? one you pay for it but that's whatever you just have to <laughs> that's always that. depressing. yeah yeah <laughs> but most importantly the dive industry is it doesn't have the bandwidth to, to properly educate its customers and clients of like what's the true reality of our of our oceans is and so people are able to see these incredible pristine reefs in little pockets of the world and often they're never educated on like what a coral even is as a species or you know why them back in dry like driving you know an suv in oklahoma why that is actually relevant to our coral reefs and when you see that like white coral over there that's like super dead it's kind of actually connected to you in some way. Wow. Not like to guilt clients, but just the educational point of right. this industry is sort of just like plodding along right. until it can no longer. And right. it's, they don't, there's the margins in, in scuba diving are really small. So I don't blame the industry necessarily, but 
there are f- there are a few shops that are like very eco-minded um but they have to charge more usually right and so like people the, aren't willing to pay yeah it's um you know on this topic though of like how does how does helping the world be a better place how can we really it, it can be demoralizing for people mm-hmm. so first of all you see it in a different way because you've had hands-on experience of seeing the devastation not only in the coral reefs but in some other areas right mm-hmm. maybe yeah. explain some of the other things you've seen i guess the the biggest things i think about like the world being devastated say from climate change is to the mo- the world's poorest people so even like some of the kids i was teaching in in thailand they can't do anything about like an increased severity in typhoons um say a typhoon hits the indian ocean for whatever reason i um and it's it's super bad just like they're increasing in the pacific and you know more people die because of that and then you have climate refugees and sea level rise so like people in bangladesh myanmar thailand and this just localized to the region i was around uh is going to displace so many millions of people (laughs) right um and yeah it was just in ethiopia actually this past spring uh running with some girls who are part of this organization you would probably love it actually girls gotta run girls gotta run yeah it's incredible it keeps it keeps ethiopian girls in school and allows them to run but other people in ethiopia who aren't so fortunate to have like the luxury to run um like they're at the whim of the next drought because their entire livelihood is based on subsistence agriculture so it's like if you can't grow that barley or teff or wheat uh yeah you're totally sol and so like you can almost become paralyzed thinking about how bad things are getting 100 percent. yeah and so how do you not do that well yeah i oh a big thank you to my boyfriend (laughs) All right, what's his name? Let's shout him out here. Lenny. Lanster Nod, yeah. Um, I definitely struggle with, with like, the ups and downs of, of um, like, well, I have this knowledge, and now what do I do? Like, yeah. ignorance totally is bliss in some cases, and I can't stop reading and traveling and seeing, um, and but it also makes me feel paralyzed because here I am I'm like a trail runner (laughs) you know and so and that's what's like brings me to the the, I try and find where I have the most leverage in my platform and like community and sport and like to be perfectly honest I care way less about a Colorado wilderness bill than I care about like a climate refugee in Bangladesh wow (laughs) it just doesn't matter right in comparison like a mountain goat on right (laughs) totally in Summit County just doesn't matter (laughs) well but yeah yeah it's like little victories right we gotta focus on what we can do right and the things you've seen are more personal someone who hasn't been to the places and seen the people and seen the suffering and understand like yeah when the next drought comes they're all screwed yeah they 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 might be more interested in the billy goat or not right right or they're or just, thinking about you know oh well i don't want to like i want to be able to ski right in 50 years yeah, yeah totally which i totally get like you can't i don't fault people for not being able to sort of like um empathize or sympathize with like the 
world's dying reefs you know people who will starve from like lack of fish protein (laughs) well so here's the thing like you ponder these big heavy issues we started out the podcast by saying like you kind of have this little weight of the world on your shoulders but it's not just you i mean we know we're not alone out here a big part of what you talk about all the time is being connected to Mm -hmm. other people running with friends including community and what you do you know um so I maybe it's a good time to talk a little more about your racing and yeah. how this came to be because you could go anywhere you want in your life and you already have gone a lot of places for 26 years old, like <laughs> amazing, amazing person. Um, but you came out of the gate as an ultra runner with huge success. Like that doesn't really happen. It happens very rarely to be sort of a prodigy. Because like you said, you kind of had a lackluster college racing career, but you didn't run ultras in college. No. Right? Yeah. So how did this start? And like, why are you destined to be this person leading the (laughs) charge? Yeah. Well, gosh, ultra running, well, and I'm sure you feel similarly with your triathlon career and Ironman. I can't even fathom. So... And and that's almost I can't fathom anymore either. <laughs> like you get enough distance from the crazy things you did, and you go, "How did I do that?" Right? Or yeah. it's hard. It's like it's hard for me to think about. It. Like I can comprehend running a hundred miles, but I honestly can't really comprehend doing an Ironman or r- r- riding my bike five hundred miles. You know, some similar yeah. equipment. Mm-hmm. And but I think that maybe goes to show that in these crazy endurance sports the the why and the drive is so personal and like so deep in our core you know if you really stick at it yeah that it's it's hard to expose um like i still don't exactly understand what possessed me <laughs> to sign up for an 80k in northern thailand and that was your first ultra yeah and 80K. it was like, and what was your longest race before that or run oh it's like a 10k on the track shut up oh yeah <laughs> oh my god i did not know that wow from six miles to 60 yeah yeah exactly uh yeah i had done a 10k on the track probably close to six months before in in new jersey and then i'm like in the golden triangle with all these poisonous snakes in this the most random ultra it was the first ever running of this race and some friends who like my girlfriends in thailand we were like oh let's go let's go to myanmar and then we'll go to the golden triangle and and claire will do this little race thing and <laughs> and that's sort it of like what it was adventure. yeah it's like i'm on this adventure i'm over here i may as well do some crazy shit yeah exactly <laughs> and i had been like always reading outside and, and nat geo growing up and i have I love climbing literature so I've always like known the the realm of these niche outdoor sports and and been attracted to them very separate from like track and road running so there was a little like a there was something I was getting after um but I had no clue I'd fall in love with it so much or like have a aptitude for it yeah well so (laughs) so you won this did you win the outright no I didn't 
I think they're like three dudes beat me. Oh my gosh. Four. Yeah. And you're 23 or 22 years old? Yeah. 22, 22. You just graduated. <laughs> you're just doing it. Okay. Yeah. So when you cross, when you're in the race, first of all, was it like awesome the whole time or were you oh. kind of like, this sucks? No, it was pretty awesome. Oh my yeah. gosh. Hey, the- See, part of me thinks like you just hang it up right there. It's <laughs> like you had a great experience. Right. Which is what happens, I think, with a lot of people in hard <laughs> trail races or any hard. Totally. Yeah. Okay, one and done. Uh, no, but the like ecosystem of this race completely like got me hooked because it was in October, so that's at the end of the monsoon season. Ooh. So everything's teeming with life. You know, there's like tree species wow. you don't even know exist. And I ran the majority of it. Took me twelve hours to do like just over fifty miles, which is really actually very slow. <laughs> um, it doesn't matter, but I ran the majority of it by myself and it's like stupid humid you know oh, I, yeah. and there's no like gatorade on the course or sports no, drink no. i was i was eating fried rice and like those little like r- sweet rice um, oh yeah oh. desserts Still i had gotta. seaweed flavored lays oh with like 12 miles to go oh. i was crying <laughs> so i had tough moments like for yeah, sure yeah, for i was sure, in a yeah. lot of pain because i was not trained for it properly <laughs> well yeah, yeah let's yeah. to say the least yeah. but when you crossed were you like oh god i'm done or was there a part of you that was like this is the next chapter it it was definitely the latter yeah wow yeah and that i didn't is a gift yeah i didn't jump into it right away because I actually had the opportunity to race like a big um, North Face Thailand mm-hmm. ultra outside Bangkok um, just a f- like three months later. And and it was full and I never really pressed and I never s- like checked to see if there was an opening and said I went, I think I went diving with friends like that weekend instead. So I wasn't like immediately going cray. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But then I got back to Colorado. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So, okay, so Thailand, the whole experience, was it life-changing? 100%, yeah. The like, most, most life-changing. Uh, that was about a year. And then I ended up actually going back for some time to continue a swim program. I started with, oh, cool. with uh, a couple of co-teachers yeah. to teach, teach kids how to swim. So, Wow. Um, Such a cool culture. Yeah. We did one race over there. There was a race they mm. always had after Ironman season was done. And Laguna? They would, yeah. Oh, my gosh. I get emails about that really? race. Yeah. Oh my gosh! You I should think go I do must it. have like looked it up once or you something. Do yeah, it. Um, <laughs> it was so fun because all the pros are kind of out of shape, so they're not, they're like, okay, th- we haven't trained since Hawaii. Yeah, it's been a month because um, you're recovering, uh-huh. and uh, so the race is just like you don't even think about the race. You're there yeah. to experience. Yeah, but cool. the crazy thing about when we went is the resort we stayed in. Um, a few months later was the uh, was the tsunami. It was oh wiped my out. Gosh. It was completely wiped out. Oh, so you were there in 2004 uh, or 2003. Yeah, it was, yeah. Oh, that's wild. Whenever the yeah. tsunami Yeah, was. it was 2004, yeah. We were there in the November, so okay. yeah. Oh, yeah, that um, was been November 2004. That's insane. So it was, uh, yeah, it was a big 
Wow. It's beautiful. Yeah. And I thought, how do they rebuild? But they yeah. do. They rebuild. Yeah, 100%. So the village I taught in, which was two hours north of yeah. Phuket, also completely wiped out. Oh. That's like why I taught at this school, because it was rebuilt afterwards. Yeah. yeah. Oh, my gosh. So, so, so you had this incredible experience. A lot of us come out of college, and we just float around for a while. We don't know what we're doing. We continue gaining whatever the freshman 15 turned into, <laughs> you know, and we're not sure. And uh, I was still very much was floating. <laughs> struggling <laughs> so how do you make these big decisions like you know like I think of you and your posts and how the things that I can just see that you want to do and want to be and like how do you get your mind to a place of clarity to make these big decisions well uh I would like to say first though there's been a lot of failure in the last like since I got out of school um I applied to so many countless uh, like writing positions um, after Thailand because I thought, oh, okay, I want to do the writing thing, and and the only one I got an interview for was was a print position at Nat Geo in DC, and it's because they liked my coral reef background. And then that's like the best one. Oh yeah, yeah. It was like <laughs> you know, I'm like shitting my pants. Like okay, well this is weird. You know, I like, get rejected from everything else. And and then Nacho got bought out by Fox, and I was like a final candidate, but didn't get the position, obviously. And and then I applied to countless positions in Myanmar to work at aid camps in the oh, wow. Rakhine state where the Rohingya genocide's happening, because that really speaks. I mean, it still speaks to me because it's still happening. And you know, it's like I didn't get any of those jobs. Um, I've just like been so all over the place with like what I want to do with my life like do I want to oh and then I thought I wanted to go to med school (laughs) so I'm like working in hospitals and and why (laughs) like what were the signs or what do you do to help yourself move through those times of you know being less than super clear well the biggest thing is I keep running yeah and so that's been like the one constant yeah. and and why I value health over everything and sort of why I thought I might want to be a doctor because I'm like the reason why you know people a lot of people get through is it, not necessarily even if you're a competitive athlete but just if you have good health like you don't have to worry about you know feeling okay and alive like able to walk around your block um, but for me I've been fortunate because i've been able to run through all of this and then ultimately now here it is my career i know (laughs) and it's it just became your career you like you said earlier had aptitude for it i mean within two years of graduating college i think you won one of the biggest races in the world didn't you yeah tell us a little more about that experience (laughs) so the leadville 100 it's kind of uh, like well it's our backyard as but for listeners leadville is just less than two hours from boulder or metro denver and i grew up going there with my dad and brothers just driving through and hiking around doing 14ers in the Sawatch range which is where leadville yeah it takes yeah. place and and i always had like known about the leadville 100 but i never ever put myself in that like category of crazy it's like i just no. say it's like who does right you just like you read a line about it and they're like get 
move on. Like, yeah, that, that's that's. I'm that gonna go crosses. run three miles now. <laughs> Isn't it funny yeah. though? How our it's all perspective. It's all relative. Totally. On how yeah. crazy crazy is. Mm-hmm. You know, for the longest time in my life, I thought anyone who didn't do two workouts a day was like not normal. Right. Right. But right. It turns out maybe I wasn't. <laughs> 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 yeah, you're in the point one percent. Yeah, yeah. So, so you were like, okay, I'm not gonna, I'm not that crazy. Yeah, I guess that's sort of my understanding of the ultra running world before I got into it. Right. But then after Thailand, I had once I finally was back in the U.S. I moved to Boulder, and I found this trail running group, Rocky Mountain Runners, and like these people are lunatics. <laughs> And I find myself really learning from mentors like Ryan Smith. He's, he's Scottish, but has, lives here and is a La Sportiva runner. And yeah, oh yeah, you know Silke, of course. Yeah, she <laughs> was on that Silke. panel. Yeah. yeah. Um, Didn't they have a baby? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Silke and Ryan just had a baby, Isla. So yeah, these these mentors in this new community. And it sort of was like, I never lived in the US after college and and it's weird because I felt like an infant in some ways, yet I had had these like crazy international experiences and seeing, you know, severe poverty and and sort of and disattaching myself from money and like anything of value because that's just like what happens, I think, to a lot of people who go backpacking for an extended period of time. Yeah. <laughs> and and then I get here and it was like, wow, the like most joy I find is like through talking to these new weird friends and like I need to look at a map because I want to <laughs> know what mountains they're talking about. Like what is Nolan's 14? Like what are we? Yeah. And, and it just became my little side project. Um, this, this was like in the winter of 2016 and then it was August when I ran Leadville. So I was still woefully underprepared. Like the longest run I did before Leadville was 30 miles. And it was mainly on the road in like Summit County. Wait, you're, the longest run you did for training for, oh, for training, yeah. For a hundred miler yes. was 30 miles. Yes. Yeah. Wow. I had done a 50K, I guess, dirty 30 that yeah. spring or summer. Uh, That's just wow. Yeah. So, but I, it worked. <laughs> yeah well and it's just like i never really consider it's like i made this goal and then you try and there's something really beautiful to be said about long ultras or just any like hard challenge for someone even if that's like a half marathon yeah so what's the what's the beautiful part that it's you like go just to- just sign up <laughs> sign up and then what and then like craft your journey and it doesn't have to be perfect <laughs> <laughs> I love that. Sign up and craft your journey. So what about it? Like you might get injured and never run that race, but it's true. But it's likely you won't or, and that you'll want to do another one and that you'll actually do great or you'll find something amazing about yourself you never knew. Do you yeah. discover amazing things when you do races like this? Uh mainly I find I strengthen relationships more than anything. Well, strengthen and so, like first weekend relationships. <laughs> Wait, the you people we- crewing and you weaken them, them and then you build and them and then back you up. build them back up. Yeah, you got to start from scratch sometimes. Yeah, um, but I always, even like this past race I just did a week ago in Spain, um, was a complete learning experience yeah. and. 
I realized like it it's always going to be different and it's always going to be horrible <laughs> at points at points yeah. and it's there's always going to be like positive takeaways and that's why I love racing and it's very it, like it's it's very selfish and there's nothing really altruistic about racing I, I can never like force that in a way and I love how racing is sort of this sacred place to just like challenge yourself be an athlete be a human in in a really cool little bubble of a of a challenge <laughs> yeah yeah so I dug back I clawed back at this this world championship trail race in Spain last weekend I was like walking on flat ground uh -huh. at one point like 20th place and I was like like it wouldn't have been a surprise if I had podium like that was a goal of mine to podium and you know I was like oh my god this is horrible and it was a team race so I'm like letting my teammates down and and I was able to claw back into the top 10 so in some ways I'm more proud of that finish than like winning other races isn't that interesting yeah <laughs> often the thing on paper that looks the best isn't the thing that helps develop us the most as a person yeah you know and I did um read that you know, out of this race, the race you just were describing, it was more about a reframing while you were in it. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Because you were like, well, <laughs> it is a team race. So maybe that's what I'm going to focus on now. Yeah. It can take the pressure off a little bit. 100%. Because had it been an individual race, I don't know if I had, would have been able to like yeah. muster up the the strength to get back into a decent place. Yeah. Um, you know, you mentioned the term a lot, earth raging. Yeah. I love it. Did you coin that term? Is that yours? Well, it's technically my friend Haley Reeds and she was, she started this <laughs> swim program with me in Thailand yep. and really it's her brother who was like a water polo player at Berkeley and we always have to give Trevor some credit, but, um, we recoined it as playing with mother earth or enjoying mother earth while protecting her and leaving no trace. Um, so you can use it in so many ways. Oh, yeah. You know, like we are always hopefully earth raging at least once in our day. Yeah. So is this like, is this where you see your life going? Continuing on this path of earth raging and racing and somehow tying in this passion you have towards the environmental impact that we're making on the world through our decisions? You know, like where are you going with it? Great question. <laughs> Outstanding question. Sure, my parents would love to know the answer. Let's get you back out of five yeah. years. Uh, yeah. Um, well, yeah, definitely. Like, I'm going to be earth raging till I die for sure. Uh, but I am eager to put my money, like, where my mouth is, or my mouth where my money is. Well, yeah, I don't know. It doesn't, well, uh, <laughs> I don't know, actually. <laughs> My money where my mouth is, yeah, okay. I think, a little bit more in terms of, like, my focus right now is getting the right, if, if I could choose anything to do, it'd be get, getting the right people in office, because ultimately, people in office and the U.S. government are the ones who make the decisions, even, and so the work that, like, Protect Our Winners is doing with mm -hmm. actual lobbying in Congress, um, and talking to current people in office on, you know, on like, okay, do you want to join the climate caucus, the like bipartisan climate caucus and getting Republicans to 
to uh, acquiesce to the fact that you know climate change isn't a part partisan issue that's like what really is like spinning my wheels right now and so my goal is to figure out how i can do more in that type of a world um to see actual work being done like i would love to know that i'm influencing people to vote um even just vote period or to like be more educated voters uh that's great um and how are you doing that I mean, it's really, I can't prove that right now. And yeah. so that's that's definitely a goal to You're know. encouraging people. Because if you go over to your Instagram right now, you're, you've got a link to something I think one of our senators is working on, right? Yeah, yeah. So it's this, it's a wilderness bill in mm-hmm. Summit County, Colorado, which I highly recommend people to check out. Uh, and it's, it's crazy because, so Senator Bennett um, proposed this in the Senate and our Boulder representative, Jared Polis, has proposed yeah. it in the House. And so this is like the federal Senate and House mm-hmm. <laughs> for listeners. Mm-hmm. And uh, I won't go into it. Well, the Wilderness Bill is incredible. It's been like a decade in the making. All local municipalities, including Vail, Keystone, Breckenridge, yep. Copper, yep. Silverthorne, all want it. Um, and we just need Senator Cory Gardner to support it. All we need. Come on, Corey. Yeah. yeah. Button gear. Yeah. So Why is he dragging his feet? He's- right. Yeah. Well, Corey Garner is the only Colorado senator who's never openly supported a wilderness bill, mm-hmm. which is like actually mind blowing considering his image is based on like a horseback with right. like a cowboy hat yeah. in, the, in public lands. So, I mean, it's, it's these types of, some people might be uncomfortable that I'm like very blatant about specific issues and specific representatives and senators like that's that's where stuff actually gets done well and if you aren't here's the here's the main point are you being true to you when you're you can have your own thoughts you don't have to say every thought you have right but sometimes there's a push and a tug and it hits you in the gut whether you have celiac or not (laughs) like it hits you in the gut and it's like you have to speak about this and yeah. I feel like you have become someone who has listened to that calling. 100%. Yeah. It's happening. Yeah, yeah. And you know, it's really cool. I mean, you're an athlete who has reached a caliber with your racing results where you can now get sponsors and get supported. And I hope you're making some real money because we got to get more money to the women athletes out here too, yeah, right? Yeah, Nicole. Yeah. <laughs> I'm sorry, we're not. We're, uh, skirt Sport, yeah. you've got a different clothing sponsor. Yeah. He's an amazing clothing sponsor mm-hmm. and probably the best fit for who you are. You just recently went on board with Patagonia, didn't yeah, you? Yeah, thanks. I couldn't be more excited uh, to begin, hopefully, like a lifelong journey yeah. with this company and brand. I'm so even like I was just in Ventura last a couple of what month ago or something, um, and I got to meet the man himself, Yvonne Schnard, and he were like eating lunch, and he's what he did go, he eat? And he go, <laughs> what was he eating? <laughs> he was eating salad, and there was some. <laughs> ethically sourced uh barbecue <laughs> yeah <laughs> totally um but he goes okay trail running school like great like we aren't gonna ever have another ambassador who's not an activist you know and which was super cool and very complimentary um because it's just patagonia won't stand for someone who's not like talking about the lands that their sports occur on yeah, um, yeah. but but then he's like so what do you know about regenerative organic agriculture? 
Did you know anything? No. <laughs> but I, I was taking notes. I was like, whoa, Patagonia is putting some serious uh, work money into this. And um, so that's sort of like what I've been diving into recently. Like Yvonne recommended this Australian 600-page book about farming in Australia using like yeah. topsoil biodiversity. And, and if you use old practices of farming that uses compost and not pesticides not herbicides and increasing the the like number of little animals and insects in soil Mm -hmm. and you rotate your crops and you don't use farming machinery like tilling yep the soil can actually hold a bunch more carbon than what our conventional agriculture does today like sequester carbon so if all of our conventional agriculture this is yvonne telling me this switched uh to regenerative organic across the entire world we would be close to a carbon neutral planet and and so do you guys hear that little what's going on here it's the carnegie estate is yeah south boulders hopefully they're uh, growing making Hopefully affordable they're doing housing like composting or yeah, something yeah really cool um yeah <laughs> that is like absolutely just so inspiring yeah you know and like i'm here i'm we're talking about a clothing company and and they're just so past like that that type of i mean they take their clothing extremely seriously but it's just like what's next you know and that's what like really gets me going yeah they have transcended and i'm so like i couldn't see a better fit for you and what's cool is you have the opportunity right now in, in your whole life to surround yourself by people who help you grow not stunt to your growth. Right, right. right. Yeah, yeah. yeah I'm really lucky. You are. Especially being here, like getting I mean, to, you know, have I feel neighbor mentors. <laughs> exactly. I mean, that's the truth is though, like the things that have uh, brought you down this path are all things that open you. Think about when you're out there in nature and you're on a trail, you are not closed, you are open. Mm-hmm. You are aware of the world, especially when you get into that state. You know, which I've never really hit a runner's high, by the way. Really? Yeah, I don't know. No way. I mean, I definitely, my mind gets into a good place. Yeah. Maybe that's it. Yeah. Maybe that's just all it is. Yeah, a flow of Is sorts. it like magic? What is the runner's high? I, Describe it. Well, <laughs> I definitely, I, since I've only experienced it really running, I, I, it's, it's super individual. And I think mine's intrinsically connected to the environment. So... Other people can get a runner's high maybe from like being on a treadmill, but I think it's a lot more difficult. Oh, yeah. You know, and and if there's something to be said for trail running and because I think you can access that flow state a little bit sooner necessarily than than if you're running on a urban sidewalk or something. Yeah, I totally agree. So for everybody, maybe we'll do a little post on what's your runner's high. <laughs> yeah, yeah, right. I'd love it's to probably hear. Different. Yeah, yeah, that'd be so interesting. Mm-hmm. So okay, we're gonna start wrapping it up, even though I don't want to, because I feel like we barely hit on anything, and we've talked for almost an hour. <laughs> do you know that? Um, yeah. You know, here's the, so here's the thing. You just have this incredible presence, and I think you're making a huge change in the world. Um, and I just can't wait to see where you go next. Thanks and so you cool. can't tell us where you're going next. <laughs> um, you can't actually tell us what races you're doing next. What are you doing this year? Uh, my next race will be in Italy called Lavaredo, which is in Cortina, the Dolomites, 120K. It'll be extremely competitive this year, which is crazy because it's the same day as Western States. 
Uh, so Western States obviously takes a ton of talent uh, or the field, but there's a lot of shredders doing Lavaredo. So that'll be sweet. And what, what are yeah. shredders? Uh, shredders <laughs> Shredders are people like Darcy. Uh, uh-huh. Darcy will be running uh, Lavaredo. I'm sure so people who, Darcy. who've got some serious, uh, a big pedigree. Yes. Yeah. yeah. Like, you, right. You're a shredder. Like, you start, you, you invented the running skirt. You like, can, and you, <laughs> you might be able to pull one out in any race. You can mm. never count them out. Right. Right. right totally. Yeah, like, yeah. my mom's a shredder. And, like, she can't even run right now because she needs a hip replacement. Yeah. Like, she shreds through. Great teaching. I love this. Um, You know, when you won your first, when you won Leadville, were you a total underdog? Like no one had ever even heard of you. Uh, Yeah, pretty much. Mm -hmm. And so now that has shifted. Mm -hmm. Do you feel different kind of pressure? A little bit. Yeah, there's that pressure that, especially in these European ultra races, they put a big emphasis on things like press conferences and like multitudes of interviews uh and that's something i could have a bad taste about but i've sort of accepted it that that's it's a privilege to be in the limelight and uh you know i it would be awesome if i could like put my feet up all day and not have to talk to anyone before a race but ultimately i I love racing individually, but I also love racing because it allows me to connect with more people. Yeah. Yeah. And that's so. that's the way you're going to make change in this world. So for yeah. all the little girls listening, my kindergarten girl, mm-hmm. what do you say to them? How do you, what advice do you give those little kids, boys and girls, so they can grow up and, and be strong and have a happy life? Oh, wow. That's a lot of pressure. It's a lot. I know. Yeah. You got to go mean, back to... I think... If Wilder keeps on exploring, exploring and and like getting lost with her imagination and getting lost in whatever it is. I mean, she's super creative, so in her art and books and um I never like really n- knew what time it was when I was a kid and I think there's some value in in just like being um a kid in a lot of ways I am still that and it's like my demise (laughs) in in like a societal sense like uh like being professional and on top of things like sometimes isn't my forte uh but I think that's because I'm like really trying to hold on to the creative imaginative like passionate side of of like who I am (laughs) I think we need to get you a manager so you don't ever have to give that (laughs) because that's where the magic happens oh that's very sweet of you well there's there's one question I ask everybody who comes on the show and we'll wrap it here um if you could give our listeners one final piece of advice one little nugget to help them run their world in a bigger and better way what would it be I would say since it's almost summer this isn't necessarily an activism uh, plug. Make a list of places like nearby that you can drive to this summer that you want to go run or ride or swim or hike or walk and tick that off. And I bet you at the end of the summer, you will feel more connected to your place and your environment and actually maybe be more uh more likely to like think about the way you vote (laughs) you know like it's a convoluted journey but if you attach if we like develop our sense of place better and and literally just explore with like no agenda 
um, I know that's what I'm like trying to do, like just looking at a map of Colorado. Like, wow, I've never been to the Spanish Peaks wildlife area. I want to go with you. (laughs) Yeah, (laughs) Yeah, you know, like when's the last time you've been to the sand dunes? um, So that's what we got to keep exploring. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) I love it. And you know, this is literally our backyard. And no matter where you live, Mm -hmm. there is beauty. 100%. You can find it. 100%. I'm going to New Jersey in a couple weeks uh, on the East Coast for a Patagonia film tour of and. I was just doing research this morning on like, okay, how do I access the Appalachian Trail? It's like, oh, it's only 30 minutes from Princeton, New Jersey. Uh, <laughs> like yeah. the US is just teeming with amazing places. I know, I know. <laughs> I know, yeah. and we forget to explore them. And yeah. I love this advice because not only will you feel more connected to your lands, but I think you'll feel more connected to your soul. Totally. Yeah. Nice. Well said, Nicole. <laughs> it's our nugget today. Yeah. All right, Claire. Thanks so much for coming over. We're so, I'm so excited for you, and I know everybody listening will be too. You can have about thousands of new fans after this hits. <laughs> Thanks so much, Nicole. All right. Hey there, everyone. I am back. Wow. What an amazing interview with such an amazing person. I hope you took notes because there are lots of gems in this one that we can take away as people, as parents, and as humans who walk this precious earth. I love the basic truth that Claire explained so simply. Value your health over everything. That is the key, folks. Our health is our ticket to happiness. I mean, yes, age happens, bodies change, things happen outside of our control. But if we prioritize the things that we can control to help keep our health at the forefront, we have a better chance of happiness. And that's really all everything is about, right? Um, I also love Claire's passion for our planet, which just shines through on everything. Her final nugget is so cool. I'm working on it right now for myself and Wilder. I'll repeat it for you. Make a list of the places you want to go this summer and start ticking them off. And maybe it's this fall or this winter or this spring, whenever you get around to listening to this one. But make that bucket list. You will discover beauty that you didn't realize was there. So let's get on it. Join, actually, let join me on this quest. And um, you know what? We're going to do a giveaway. So check out the post on SkirtSports Facebook page about this episode. It will go up sometime around June 1st, a day, give or take a day. <laughs> and uh, post your bucket list. Post the things you plan to do, and we will give away a $25 gift cert to one of you. All right, everyone, that's all she wrote today. Don't forget to get over to skirtsports.com and use RTW Podcast 15 for 15% off. We have awesome stuff right now. And please do me a favor, forward this episode to someone who needs to hear it today. You will not regret helping someone else find inspiration in their lives. Okay, then, that's it. You know what time it is. It's time to get out there and run this world. Have a great workout and we'll see you next week.